0: This is um, week six out of seven in our Acts plus Bible study, going through the book of Acts um, and then all everything Paul that comes after it. That's what we're on tonight. We're super thrilled to have Michelle on with us. If you haven't gotten to meet Michelle yet, she's our um, new Christian education director and is about to start her first trimester teaching confirmation. She's been, you know, co-teaching and subbing and working with the program the whole year, but we'll be the lead teacher for this next trimester, which starts next Wednesday, right? Next Wednesday, March 9th on this uh, same
1: material that we've been going through. How are you feeling about it, Michelle? Oh, I'm actually really super excited just because I've had a chance to meet all the kids and they're all just super awesome. And the families are really great. And we've got some, you know, great leaders that help us with small groups. So I'm, I'm super, super excited. It's gonna be a little different you know, being in the seat of lead teaching versus being a parent mm-hmm. <laughs> and being a short, uh, you know, a small group uh, leader. So, um, but I'm I'm just super excited. I'm I'm excited to dig into the material. I've been, um, you know, learning uh, with your Bible study class that you've been teaching, Muriel, and um, doing some of my own reading and just getting prepped. You know, they I yeah. sent an email to the families today, and I and I said, you know. Uh, Beginnings are always difficult and endings are always unexpected, (laughs) Uh, but what matters most is what's in the middle. And so I'm super excited to get on that, that journey and, and learn and grow with the kids. I love that. Yeah. What's in the middle. I mean,
0: this isn't Michelle's been in education for ages and ages. So that, I mean, that part's not new. Um, just this particular material, but that's right. So tell us about when your kids went through confirmation. A lot of people watching actually had their kids go through confirmation. A couple are are um, parents of the current confirmation class, so they're learning ahead. But several of these guys have already been through confirmation. What what was it like being a parent?
1: Oh my gosh, what an experience! Like um, just being able to you know be with the kids that are you know we, we love that our small group leaders or have groups of kids that are not their own kids <laughs> and so you really get to meet you know everybody and get to know their you know the personalities and the dynamics of the group um but I remember um as a parent and and my husband as well we would comment about how much we enjoyed um coming for the whole group instruction because we were learning a ton <laughs> as oh adults they
0: learned so much <laughs> I couldn't believe it when I started. This program is so in-depth.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's so different than, um, you know, I went through Lutheran Church growing up. I went to Sherman Park Lutheran and I went to Brookfield Lutheran Church. When we moved to Brookfield, I actually did one year of confirmation at Sherman Park Lutheran and then my second year at Brookfield Lutheran. And um, I just think back on my own, I reflect on that all the time, my own confirmation experience. And I just think- It was all it was all great, but um, I don't remember having as much fun as our kids have now. Like, there's just you know, there's a ton of learning, but there's also a ton of time for fun and connection too. So that's where I think we the, the right balance. Yeah, oh. exactly. Hi everyone.
0: People are starting to join us. Hi Julie. Julie was saying, yeah, she went through um, confirmation with her kids and learned a ton. Mary's here. Hi, Mary. Glad you guys are with us. This is Michelle Apprahamian. She's our Christian Ed Director getting ready to teach this material um, that we have been going through with you guys. So glad to have her tonight. Glad to have all of you tonight. Um, This is week six. And so we're doing Paul part two. We did a couple Old Testament books. Um, We did the book of Acts. We started talking about Peter and, you know, Paul's First half, where he's Saul and his dramatic transformation to Paul. And now, um, last week, we went over all of his missionary journeys that he does, planting churches. And so now this week, we're diving more into what he did um, in each of those communities and in the letters that he wrote. So we're glad that you're here. Hi, Chris. And um, we will start and end tonight talking about body parts, which is a favorite metaphor. Of Paul's, I think he uses it like 14 times or something, but, um, Michelle, if you were going to be, and everyone and any, any of you, I challenge you all to chime in on this super odd icebreaker question. If you were going to be a part of the body, which part of the body would you choose to be? Oh, okay. goodness. <laughs> right. This is one, there's so many body parts that you just, when they're working, you don't think about them. Right. 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 But then when something happens to some part of your body, right.
1: Like what's the, like, I'm trying to think what would, what's, what, what could be used, utilized in so many like different ways. Right. (laughs) Well, this is,
0: this is going to be totally TMI, but since we're on, you know, week six, we're all like this now at this point, right guys. But I have been like out of commission with GI stuff. And I was just remembering there's a Jewish in Judaism, there's a blessing for everything, right? And they they have a blessing for when you're going to the bathroom. And it's something along the lines of if even one orifice is shut when it should be open or open when it needs to be shut, that would be such calamity. So blessed be God, the Lord of all, who like makes our bodies function awesome. in the bathroom and boy i was feeling that blessing this week mary's saying that she would be the ear mm. interesting choice getting to hear getting to take in sound yeah that's awesome music for sure i can't remember if you're a musician mary that seems like a very musician thing to pick uh, oh, yeah, yeah what would i pick huh oh have you seen um my big fat greek wedding They're like yeah, the man's the head of the household, but the woman is the, the woman neck. woman is the neck. <laughs> she can turn the yes. any way she wants. Yeah, that's one maybe, of my favorites.
1: Maybe I'd pick the neck. Pick the neck, yeah. That's what, oh, gosh. Yeah, I think I would probably have to, um, I don't know. I think my eyes, like I really just think just to be able to see people and see the beauty of the world and, um I don't know I just think I would really uh, I think I'd pick my eyes. Mm-hmm. I think you can do a lot of listening with your eyes and seeing with your eyes, talking with your eyes. I think about this whole time during the pandemic mm-hmm. with our masks on and how much we had to communicate with our eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, for any of you who are joining, welcome and feel free to put into the chat, if you're bold, which part of the body he would be if you were picking a body part. But Michelle and I are gonna dive now into our material for this week. We'll come back to this uh, at the end, but we're glad you're with us. And uh, let's see. Let's start with just a very brief review of Paul and those journeys that he took. So, I will bring up our handy-dandy slideshow because it's got some great maps. Um, Okay, Paul. So Paul is, he's like perfectly situated for the job that he has, which is to travel around um, to bring the gospel to new towns and to kind of more importantly, be this intermediary, like he navigates all the different worlds because We have the Greco-Roman world. Wait, let me remind. At this point, Christianity is a minority within a minority. There's no such thing as Christianity yet. It's a movement within Judaism. So of Jewish people, there's this tiny minority that are Jesus followers. And then Jewish people are a tiny minority within the Roman empire. And so Paul is able to navigate both the Imperial world and the Jewish world, and the Christian world, and he kind of is this emissary back and forth between all of them the whole way. So he's a Roman citizen, which means he can travel anywhere. He's Jewish and a Pharisee, so not just Jewish, but like a legal expert in Jewish law, so he can um, definitely talk the talk with all the other Jewish leaders, and he is confident, smart, and filled with the Holy Spirit. So he has a really clear sense of his mission, and he is I'm not afraid to talk about it. So about 10 years that Paul is traveling all around the Mediterranean Sea, and kind of four journeys that he does. Here's the first mission, two years, he's with Barnabas, um, starts and ends in Antioch, and does this little loop around the Mediterranean Sea area. Second mission, much bigger, about three years. He's with Silas most of the time, still starts and ends in Antioch, um, but does this huge loop, revisits some of the communities he was with before, Spends some time in prison. Um, The third one, he's got lots of different people he's with. Um, He does still start in Antioch, but he ends up in Caesarea as a prisoner um, by the end. And then the last trip, is not really a trip because he's a prisoner and he's being taken to Rome um, and he spends the rest of his life under house arrest there. They don't actually share the end of his story. Um, The book of Acts ends with him preaching in Rome from house arrest, um, but probably he's put to death. So I think um, I'm going to stop sharing. Maybe if I can screen now. Okay. So that is the very quick review, (laughs) but I just want you guys to see the maps. Um, I'm not very good at visual visualizing spatial stuff. So I always need those maps. Now we got to add the giant caveat um, that those are the journeys as told by the narrative of the book of acts. And um, if you try and compare the narrative and acts to what Paul says in the letters he writes, they don't really line up. So it seems like, you know, similarly to the gospels, when they wrote the book of Acts, um, they were less trying to make a precise historical timeline and more trying to make a theological timeline. So what they want you to see is they want you to see the gospel spreading wider, wider, wider. And they actually design it to mimic the command Jesus gives at the end of the gospels, which is, what is it? It's like, he sends them to go to, um, to go to Israel, Samaria, Jerusalem, Israel, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. So that's the way they, they show, they show his travels as like literally following that it's like Jerusalem, Israel, Samaria, everywhere in the known world. Um, so, you know, take all of those maps with a grain of salt. Um, but it's useful to see what the narrative is describing. So by the way, throw in any questions at any point, glad you guys are here. We're just doing a quick review, um, over Paul and his journeys. And, um, now we're going to start talking about what Paul does during all of these trips. And Michelle, if you are up for reading with me. We're gonna read you a bunch of verses. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven verses. We can just alternate, Michelle. And all of y'all who are listening, see if you can start to tell what these verses are and what they have in common. You'll probably get it before we get to the end of the seven, so throw it into the chat whenever you catch
1: on to what's up. But Michelle, you up for reading with me? I am. And I want to just make sure you can hear me. Okay. Because my Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I got this blurb that said my connection is weak.
0: Oh, I can hear you just fine. Okay, good.
1: (laughs) I'll holler. Now you want to read that first one and then we can alternate from there. Yep. All right. Um, It says to all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Next one is to the church of God that is in Corinth. To
0: those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and
1: the Lord Jesus Christ. And the next one reads, to the church of God in Corinth, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. To the churches in Galatia, grace and peace
0: to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: To the saints who are in Ephesus, Ephesus, thank you, (laughs) and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: And the last one, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons, grace to you and peace. All right, so I'm sure you have caught on by now what all of these have in common. Michelle, you want to give us the answer? Salutations. Yeah, that's the <laughs> fancy word. They're salutations. They are the beginnings of letters as the first verse of, yep, Chris says, yep, addressing all the churches. This is So this is how all of these letters start. So this is what Paul does while he's traveling around. He writes letters, he corresponds with the communities that he's visited by writing letters. And it's not just any letters, it's a type of letter that we call an epistle, which is just a fancy word um, for a, a public letter. So a letter that is meant to be read to a community. This is like a very common genre of literature in the ancient world, it's not at all limited to the Bible or to Christianity at all. It's a very common genre. Um, and Rome actually did have a functional postal service at this point. Uh, I know I did not know that they had a functional postal service, but these letters were probably delivered by personal messenger and you know most people didn't read. So they would be delivered by a messenger and the messenger would also probably read. A letter to the gathered community. So you can picture kind of these gatherings to these little house churches that are gathered to hear the words of these letters. And so he's writing to different churches and different letters have different purposes um, and kind of different different audiences. but basically he's writing um, to settle disputes, answer questions, and offer encouragement to these communities with whom he's no longer in person. They all have the same basic format. So there's that salutation, which we just said, the greeting, um, thanksgiving, and then the body of the letter has all the reasons for writings. Um, It ends with exhortations often, or like a call call to holy living. Um, And then there's often final wishes, um, which might include logistical details like thanking the scribe, passing on greetings to various specific notable people in that community Um, and then a final closing it is hard to piece together the circumstances for writing in each particular community Um, the only clues are in the letter itself and um, all of the letters are edited so that complicates things a little bit several letters seem to be composites where they've joined multiple letters together into one um there were definitely more letters than the ones that ended up included in our bible so just like there's extra canonical gospels there's also extra canonical uh letters like there's a letter to the Laodotians um that's referenced somewhere else there's there's a third corinthians that's mentioned somewhere and paul wasn't the only one to do this um the like as they go on, the early church fathers also wrote letters, uh, but none of those made it into the canon. Oh, we lost Michelle. We'll see. We'll see if she comes back. Um, So there are lots of letters that weren't, didn't make it in, um, but 13 letters did um, make it in that are considered part of the Pauline corpus that are at least attributed to Paul. And those are Romans first and second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, first and second Thessalonians, first and second Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. Oh, Michelle's coming back. (laughs) Hey, Michelle. Sorry, we lost you for a second. So of those 13 letters that are attributed to Paul, um, some are definitely written by Paul, some are maybe written by Paul, and some are definitely not written by Paul, and we will go into that next week as we go into controversy. But those are the 13 of the Pauline letters. Uh, the order that they are found in our Bibles is, seems to be based on the length. They go from longest letter, Romans, um, to shortest letter, Philemon, which has only like 355 words, I think. So the dates, also it's hard to date them. Um, but the ones that are definitely written by Paul are probably the earliest first Thessalonians they think was the very first and that Thessalonians, the first one might've been written as soon as within 10 years from when Jesus died. So pretty early on, most of them are probably written about 20 to 30 years after Jesus died. That's when Paul is in prison in Romans, about 30 years after Jesus died, And then the ones that were probably not written by Paul, just attributed to him, those are later, uh, maybe 60 years after. So we are going to spend the rest of our time tonight um, going not in-depth, but just a little tiny sampling uh, of several of the, the letters that were definitely written by Paul. Hey, Vicki, glad you're here. So let's start with... Thessalonians. Um, Thessalonians. So first Thessalonians, we think was the very first one. And here, here here's your question to ponder for Thessalonians. Okay. Before we dive into the background. Hey, Michelle, welcome back.
1: We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm see. Sorry. you're just you're just I, in time to answer I, our question. I'm so sorry. I lost my internet connection. And so I'm just trying, I don't know if you can hear me or not right now, but I'm just trying to get my audio, my video back on and join with my hotspot instead of my Wi-Fi. Ah,
0: oh, thanks for wrestling through all of that. We can hear you just fine, which is awesome. Okay. So we're just talking about Thessalonians, which is the first Thessalonians is probably the first letter that Paul writes earliest written, which means it is also the earliest uh, piece of the new Testament. So written far earlier than the gospels. And as we dive into thinking about Thessalonians, here's a question for Michelle. And for all of you who are listening, if you had to be ready to leave your home at a moment's notice at any time, like permanently, If you had, you could have like a Rubbermaid bin next to your bed with the stuff that you would need to grab. If you were headed out of there in a hurry, what would you put in the bin?
1: Okay. So let me clarify. Mm -hmm. I can, my family and my dog and everybody else is already included, right? These are just
0: (laughs) (laughs) things. Your dog is small (laughs) enough to fit in a bin, aren't they? I'll make her fit. (laughs) Yes.
1: In, yeah. inanimate
0: objects. well
1: I am um, um well I would I would hope that I could get my phone in there um only because everything is in there right yes. like it's your, your camera phones. your picture your flashlight your contacts like every your you know the cell phone becomes like everything it's your communication with everyone so I for sure would need to take my cell phone <laughs>
0: That's brilliant.
1: You know, yeah. uh, it, You know, I've, I'm
0: thinking through like photo albums, scrap hooks, letters to the girls, but you know what I was seriously put in that bin? Snacks! Snacks! Oh, yeah. That's a good idea. <laughs> Hi, Heidi. Snacks! I wanna make sure I have access to food at all times. Friends on Facebook, what would you put in your bin if you needed to be ready to go at a moment's notice? Permanently leave, what would you put in that bin? So here is, here's the reason that we use this question for Thessalonians. It's because in the letter to the Thessalonians, Paul is clearly, he writes, he explicitly says he's writing to answer questions about the second coming of Jesus. So when Jesus first is crucified, comes back, Chris is going to be blankets. Very smart, very practical, very nice and cozy. When Jesus uh, first comes back after his crucifixion and he ascends into heaven and he says, I'll be back. Right? And people are thinking that he's coming back really soon like any day. So that's a very different mindset, right? If you're like, Jesus is gonna come back and usher in the final age of justice and peace and you know, and heaven on earth, like it's it's happening really soon, right? Um, and so we're just we're just hanging on there till that happens. That was the mindset in the beginning, and over time, as we go through um, Paul's as Paul's letters get older, and then as we move our way into the the later letters, you see people start to shift and realize, okay, this isn't happening soon in human terms. It might be soon in God's terms, but it's not soon in human terms. And so in the beginning, the Christian movement is, is much more radical, like a total upturning of social norms. And, and then you watch them kind of shift as they say, okay, actually we got to settle in for the long haul and we got to kind of set up some structures and hierarchies and plans. So they start out very radical and egalitarian. And then as time goes by, they kind of get more rigid and hierarchical. But this one is really at the very beginning. And one of the questions that the Thessalonians have is a few people in our community have died since since we started following Jesus. And and like, did they miss their chance, right? Are they going to be left out when Jesus comes back to collect all of us? Are the people who have already died going to be left out? So Paul's writing to address that and other questions about what it's going to be like. And um, basically he, and, you know, people have been like, literally the people have been like quitting their jobs and just sitting around to wait for Jesus to come back. So Paul writes and says, you know, if anyone dies, don't worry, they're still going to be included. Don't quit your jobs. The best thing you can do is keep faithfully doing the work that God has called you to do. Don't stress out too much, trying to figure out when this is going to be. You just stay focused on the work that God calls you to, um, with all the faithfulness you can muster, um, and just stay ready, stay ready. So, um, and that second Thessalonians, he, he goes even more on the case of people who have checked out a little bit. Do you want to read that passage for us, Michelle?
1: Do you have that one? Um, yeah this this is uh, be ready mm-hmm. yeah yep. Yeah, i remember doing a children's message on this Yes, <laughs> be ready um yeah so do you want me to read the the passage sure yeah the one that starts with verse six i think is from second yeah. thessalonians mm-hmm. um i do okay so now we command you beloved in the name of our lord jesus christ to keep away from believers who are living in idleness and not according to the tradition that they received from us. Um, for you yourselves know, sorry, my eyes are so blurry. Here, <laughs> I you can, think. can know I take over. How you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you, and we did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day so that we might not burden any of you. This was not because we do not have that right, but in order to give you an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command. Anyone unwilling to work should not eat. For we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies, not doing any work. (laughs) How such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing what is right. Hmm. I like that last
0: line. Do not be weary in doing what is right. I also like how like prosaic the rest of it is like, come on, you guys, you know what this reminds me of though, Michelle is COVID like the way our brains shifted at the beginning of COVID when we were, we were thinking like, okay, this is like a six to eight week experience and how we acted and shaped our lives and and like how we spent our time when we thought COVID was gonna be six to eight weeks. And then how gradually we started to shift as we thought, okay, this is gonna be more like multiple months. Okay, this is gonna be a year. Okay, this is gonna be multiple years. Okay, this is gonna be with us forever. And very similar, I think, to the kind of transition that these early communities go through as they think, oh, hi, Maura. Maura saying hi from El Salvador. She says hi to the whole church of Unity Lutheran Church. Greetings and a strong, why I can't see the rest of her comment, a strong something, maybe a strong hug. A strong, uh, is a strong hug. Gracias, Maura.
1: Oh, hola. (laughs) (laughs) She's awesome, I hope you get
0: to meet her someday. She's also teacher, teaches their preschool. All right. That is a brief foray into Thessalonians. Let's talk about Corinthians. And here is your, we'll make this a hypothetical question because y'all already know the answer, but here's your question for getting into Corinthians. What happens, Michelle, when (laughs) a teacher leaves the room? What happens when a teacher leaves the room? What happens to the classroom dynamic
1: then? Teacher a lot of the classroom. <laughs> unexpected behaviors. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's what happens. The way the mice will play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, um, somebody, somebody actually compared it to when you're driving. Um, what do you do when you see a police officer versus when you're driving and there's no police officer mm-hmm. around and you're usually right? mm. when around you do what you're supposed to do <laughs> <laughs> exactly like that exactly like that so corinth
0: um which is paul writes a bunch of letters to them first corinthians is one letter second corinthians is a compilation of letters and like there's just a lot of conflict in the church in corinth And so most of the letters kind of address how, like how to handle conflict within the Christian community and conflict between the Christian community and the wider cultural community. There's a lot of like, you know, when we, how do we live counter-culturally when our faith is counter to the culture that we're in? Um, Corinth, we often talk about Corinth as being kind of similar to our setting. Um, It's a wealthy place. It's urban um there's a lot happening it's very diverse there's a whole convergence of cultures um, there's lots of people who are worshiping greco-roman gods or worshiping the emperor and um, there's people who are jewish there's the christ followers um, there's just a whole a whole mess of different cultures going on and so paul writes to kind of walk people through how to do this a lot of sexual politics that Paul speaks to. So he's encouraging them and talking about how to settle differences um, and find unity in the middle of that. And Michelle, do you want a break from reading?
1: Or I can do this one. This, yeah. This, this, okay. yeah, no, this is fine. Um, and I, I want you to know that also that I appreciate this study so much that while we're while you're talking about things, I'm also taking notes just for my own learning because <laughs> so this, is, this is just really a great, great learning. You're a
0: total so, educator yeah, through and through. Hi, Susie. Glad you're here. All um, right. What's our
1: passage from 1 from Corinthians? So it's um, <clears throat> for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body through many are one body so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit.
0: Amen. It's a good passage for Unity Lutheran Church to be looking at this evening, I would say. So yeah, just an example of some of the main themes of Corinthians. Um, I don't want to keep us too much longer, so I'm gonna real quick talk about um, Romans and Philippians. Romans is probably the last letter that Paul writes, and um, and it has a different feel. The other letters, they talk in the scholarship about Paul's letters. They distinguish between what are the terms? I don't remember what the terms are, but basically, it's like some of the letters are kind of written i think they call it a circular letter it's like kind of a a general letter that's meant to be circulated around multiple communities and then other letters speak really specifically to one specific community and 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 very tailored to like the details of what's happening in that community so romans is so like corinthians is more of um the latter those really specific speaking to their own conflicts romans is more of the general letter and and they they describe it as like paul's theological last will and testament kind of trying to capture all of the big ideas of his theology in one letter um, for people to read and so it's uh it's a beautiful letter it's a dense letter and um just a lot of really famous passages like the um don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that's romans or the one we often read at funerals of I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor powers nor principalities things past or future or anything else can ever separate us from the love of god in christ jesus that's from romans and it's basically um a treatise on on faith and on God's love and, and how it's a gift. And we talk about it with the confirmation kids as like dessert and how, you know, often parents will be like, okay, like if you eat all of your food, then you get to eat dessert. And, and the idea of grace is like, you just get the dessert. You just get it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to eat all the other stuff on your plate. Um, Romans is important to us as Lutherans because it was really important to Martin Luther, was kind of the foundation of his theology. I think he even said like of all, like really the only scripture we need is Paul's letter to the Romans. Um, and so, yeah, so if you read one letter this week, maybe go read um, at least the second half of Romans. It's, it's really beautiful stuff. I'm Instead of reading an excerpt from Romans, I'll read a section from it as our closing blessing, and I'm going to jump to Philippians. And Philippians is um, a letter that Paul writes, also a good read. It's kind of short and easy. I think it's just six chapters. Paul writes it from prison. And when he's in prison, the community in Philippi, um, who doesn't have very much They don't have very many resources, but they gather up supplies for Paul and they send it to him. They send him like a massive care package in prison. They send a person to go minister to Paul in prison and to bring him these supplies. And Paul sends back with this person this letter. And it's just really encouraging about um, kind of using your faith to give you endurance in the face of hardship and suffering, um, and how to find gratitude and peace, um, even when things are hard. And if you're up for it, Michelle, you can read this passage from Philippians four, I believe is Melanie Rooney's favorite Bible verse. Fun. Oh, that's awesome. Fact. We might have lost her, so I'm going to go ahead and read it. This is from Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So that is Philippians, and that concludes our brief foray into um, several of the letters. Those are all letters that were definitely written by Paul, and we're going to go next week. Next week is Controversy and Conflict, and we'll go into some of the letters that were maybe written by Paul or almost definitely not written by Paul and how scholars make those distinctions, Um, but those are all from ones that are definitely written by Paul And just wanted to close um, with returning to that metaphor of the body. And Paul, like Jesus, you know, Jesus is an incredible teacher, right? And uses um, examples from everyday life to help people understand big ideas, right? Like water or bread or seed. Well, Paul does that same thing. He talks about the struggles in new churches as the pangs of childbirth. When he's frustrated with people's self-aggrandizing behaviors, he calls it, compares it to noisy gongs and clanging cymbals. And he tells all of these new followers to shine like the stars in the world. And um, one especially well-used metaphor that Paul hits upon, especially as he's writing to situations of conflict, is this idea uh, of God's people as body parts. So um, this is from 1 Corinthians 12. And just listen to how many references there are to body and body parts. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. The body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as God chose. If there were a single member, where would the body be? But as it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet. I have no need of you. And so you hear he addresses both people who think that they're not important enough to count. He says, yes, you are. And to people who think others are not important enough to count, he says, yes, they do. And that's just really powerful words when we remember the kind of Jewish-Christian, Gentile-Christian conflict that he's speaking into, and it's words that are still powerful for us today as we navigate um, how to celebrate both unity and diversity and hold both the gifts of those all together. So just to close, Michelle's gonna come join us again, but just to close, um, I wanted to tell you what our confirmation students will be doing with Michelle when they cover this in a few weeks. And what we do is we send the students off and each student is randomly assigned a part of the body. And um, their job is to trace and cut out on paper a life-size or slightly larger than life-size version of that body part. So there are kneecaps and fingers and um, all kinds of, you know, um, calf and um, feet, shoulders, heads, eyes. And then at the end, all of the students come up and they place um, all of their body parts together to make one body. And let me see if I can show you a picture. Let's see, can you see that? This is um, one of the previous classes they made and if you remember, Theophilus is um, the, the person to whom uh, the book of Acts is addressed, and it might be an actual person, but it also just means um, one who is a follower of God. I think uh, um, Theo is God, and Phyllis, I think, is actually fear, one who fears God, but it means one who, one who is in awe of God, worships God, respects God. I'm a God follower. So this is Theophilus. This is uh, the people of God, all together, making one body. Let's see, Michelle, do we have you back?
1: Yeah, can you hear me? I can see you. Yeah. yeah <laughs> okay. Awesome. Sorry. I've joined from my phone now. So hopefully that'll work. Yeah. No, thanks for persevering. <laughs> yeah, sorry so, about that. That's
0: good. No, I was just talking them through the theophilus that the kids will make and what an image that is for them and that this is one of the parts of confirmation that many kids remember years later but I just to close you know I was just thinking about um, that image of us as parts of the body um, and all of us being important and I just I just wonder like what does that look like Um, In a world where not everybody's bodies are the same and the thinking of, you know, like we have one member of our congregation who's blind and um, that has made me think differently about some of the scripture passages about sight and blindness, having her, you know, there. And I don't know, Michelle, do you have any thoughts on, on what does it look like to affirm us as a body when bodies are all different?
1: Well, I, I guess I what I was thinking about a little bit was, can you hear me okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry, I just keep checking. Um, you know, that, that you know, I, I have a father who's blind <laughs> um, and I just think about, you know, how great it would be if he had his sight, but yet I think about, um, you know, the other, there's other parts that compensate, right? And so I just think like it's, it's about all the pieces. And then sometimes when there's pieces that aren't working as well, or where there's weakness, we can still find strength and in other parts. Right. Um, And so I just think it's, it's kind of a cool analogy, right? When you think about how everything needs to work together and sometimes things are working stronger than others. And, um, you know, just, just thinking about how all those pieces need to, um, compensate for each other, all those parts. Mm
0: -hmm. I love that. Yeah. And we, in our own bodies, we do that. We compensate for parts. And as a whole, we do that Uh for one another, which is just one last word of reassurance for any of us tonight who are feeling, um, incomplete or inadequate. Um, good for you, because that is exactly the way you were designed. And we were designed to complete one another and to find our completion in God. So um, I think that's all from us for tonight. We went long, so thanks for hanging with us. But um, Michelle, we wish you all the best in your upcoming trimester. And we will uh, pray for you and for those students as you go through it. Uh, What a great experience for all of you. And thanks for being with us tonight. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. And thanks all of you for being with us. We will be back next week with one final week, looking at all of the juicy stuff, controversies um, in the letters, talking about controversies around sexuality, women speaking in church, circumcision, um, different religions, all kinds of good stuff. So join us next Tuesday at 8.30. And for now, friends, um, receive this final blessing This is um, from Romans 12, and it is Paul's encouragement to all of us um, as how to live as the body of Christ in this world. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, but be ardent in spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, contribute to the needs of others, extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it is in your control, live peaceably with all. Beloveds, never avenge yourselves. But instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Friends, go out into the world. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Go in peace. Good night, everyone. Good night.